Welcome to Beat a Dead Source, your home for pointless Bluetooth earpieces. My name is Nathan, your most microphone host. My name is Andy. I, I just lost the cat, man. <laughs> and I'm Pat, and I'm a Scorpio. And okay. uh, how was everybody's Ooh. week? Oh, oh, we're, we're all laughing here because this is the uh, third time we've tried to do it, and we're not going to do it a fourth time, so... This is what we're sticking with, everybody. Are you sure it's uh, four? Because I feel like it's more than that now. Uh, something more up there. Anyway, uh, just uh, to so be clear, when I said I lost the cat, it just means he's not on my lap anymore. He's still yeah. alive. No, Andy. <laughs> Andy uh, is well known for uh, thinking cat deaths are hilarious. Yeah. Um, so it's actually how we came up with the animal cruelty section of our our name. I actually. I also hate phones. So I actually have a. Uh, story from last night uh in terms of like one of the most interesting things that's happened to me this week oh sweet um, yeah love it. i am an uber driver and uh i was going out on sunday night normally i don't go out on sundays because they're normally pretty dead but they uh uber every once in a while will say every three rides you do we'll give you an extra five bucks three bucks whatever it is and they had some extra money last night so i decided to go out and see what i could get and i was out for six hours and I got three rides. It's not great, but my first ride was like five bucks. It was like, I don't know, a six mile drive or something. My last ride was like a 10 mile drive and it like netted me like nine bucks. My middle ride was $79 and netted, mm. and uh, was uh, 110 miles. Ooh. It's my longest ride ever. I picked up a guy from the Cleveland airport, and he wanted to go to Erie, Pennsylvania. Whoa, you drove... Are you serious? So last night at 11.30 at night, I picked up a guy, drove an hour and 40 minutes to drop him off at his house. So do you get extra for displacement for winding up in Erie, Pennsylvania? Not... They're they're, they're just like, oh, well, here you are now. Yeah, that's that's it. And generally, when we pick you up, we don't know where you're headed before you're in the car. Mm-hmm. So that can go both really? ways. Huh. So, uh, for example, if I if I drive, so I'll drive during the week uh, a lot during the day, and it's pretty slow. So sometimes the slower it is, generally there are not many, many drivers out, but there aren't a lot of people looking for rides either. So you'll sometimes have to drive like 15, 20 minutes to go pick up a ride. And I'm okay with that, but it's like a lot, it's a pretty big investment of time. And sometimes when you drive that 20 minutes, you'll get there, and that person wants to go to the grocery store or to, like, a gas station to pick up cigarettes and then go back home. Right. So by the end of that ride, I've driven 20 minutes to pick him up. I've taken there for five minutes. If he's courteous, he'll only make me wait five minutes. Because I could always cancel the ride. He's going to give me one star, but I could always cancel the ride if he stays in the store for too long. And, uh... So what happens is, by the time I've dropped him back off at his house, I'm 35 minutes deep into this ride. Right. And I've traveled a total that I'm getting paid for 0.8 miles, 1.5 miles. So that ride netted me $3 for that 35 minutes I put into it. Minus gas. Minus gas, minus like maintenance on the car, all that mm-hmm. stuff. The thing is, I don't blame that guy. That guy wanted his cigarettes. That's it's not his fault that I was twenty minutes away or anything like that. Right. But the reason why I think it makes sense for them not to tell us where somebody's going before we get in the car, uh, before that person gets in the car, is because if I knew that I was about to drive twenty minutes to make three bucks, or that I was about to spend he half an hour of my time, no, he'd never get a ride. He wouldn't. Right. Definitely wouldn't get yeah. a ride for me. I'd feel bad for the guy, but it's also remarkably not my problem that he doesn't have cigarettes. Well, there's another reason why that makes a lot of sense, which is um, sometimes the Uber, if the Uber driver looks to see where you're going and might be going to a certain neighborhood, then they might cancel that ride because they don't want to go drive in, you know, quote-unquote, the bad part of town. Yeah, and we have that a lot. I, which... I, I think I've spoken about how there's a part of Cleveland called East Cleveland <laughs> the poorest it's the poorest neighborhood in the state and it's rough they have like last time i checked they have six officers total 24 hours a day 365 days a year six officers total 
That's not a lot. They also, like, the problem is property values are low, um, incredibly low. Like, so if you're tax looking, revenue is very yeah. low. So if you're looking for a cheap place to live, I know of several properties in the past that have sold for around $5,000. Like, you can buy the land, the house, everything for five grand. It's not a great house, but... Right, you'll, you'll pour, like, 20 or 30 into that house to make it a house where you would want to live in, and then you're still in East Cleveland. Right. And I will say, I love the people of East Cleveland. I've never had a bad ride. Like, everybody's been courteous to me. Yeah. Um, I've never picked up anybody there or dropped off anybody there that's been a problem. But I'm also a big guy with a beard. So people generally, they don't know that I'm a, that I'm a pussycat who wouldn't, <laughs> like, mess with anybody. So, it, like, I have a certain amount of privilege there where I don't have to worry so much about people coming after me because there's an easier target coming down the road. But you look at the aggregate, you look at the big picture of Uber, if you were deciding like, hey, I'm not sure if I want to still be doing this anymore. And on the whole, even if you lose, even if you say lost money on that one particular ride, you're looking at the whole thing and it's still generally kind of worth it for yeah, you. Like absolutely, because think, think about it this way. I spent a total of Taking him there and then headed back home after that, I spent maybe three hours on that. And I made 80 bucks. I, I think that guy probably should have tipped me. He didn't. <laughs> uh, but Ooh. That's that's still a very decent but hourly, hourly rate. But uh, hourly uh, rate, it's not bad. I was expecting more, but whatever. How, I mean, how do tips work? Because I understand that you're generally not encouraged to tip. That that's used, their official policy, right? It used to be the official policy. So when Uber started, they had... We're just turning this into an Uber episode, by the way. <laughs> I mean, the people want to know. <laughs> um, Uber, when they started, specifically said, don't tip your drivers because they were charging a higher rate because Lyft wasn't a thing, or at least wasn't a thing the way it is now. But Lyft and Uber are constantly at each other's uh, throats trying to bring the price down. But the, it's always the uh, the way their policy works is always interesting to me because they're both trying to be cheaper than the other one, but also pay enough to the drivers because they, they have mm -hmm. to appease both groups. They have to appease the people who want the rides and the people giving the rides at the same time. Well, I understand they're doing just fine. They uh, do they're well. Neither of them are making any money. Uh, seriously? They're like... Then they don't appear that they're going to make any money in like in the near future. Really? They are both at a, a net loss. I this is another one of those things Whoa. that we need to source. Hmm. But uh, they they both lost a ton of money. They're not neither of them is in the black. That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't know. But, I, um, that's very against what I have thought it understood. But that did, being said, did you have a good week? Uh, I had an okay week. I had to go to Pittsburgh in the middle of the week. Well, for um, my side, one of my side gigs, uh, which is Trivia Dorks, which is coming to Cleveland. You can come check me out doing some trivia. But um, don't sell yourself short. Side gig, you're a you're a small business owner. You're like a multi small business owner, aren't you? You're like an entrepreneur. I am a small business owner, and emphasis on small. Yeah. Um, but I'm the smallest business. I, I, I am also. I'm not even. I I, I bought into it. Um, I'm not an, an original founder or anything. But yeah, yeah. Entertainment One. We do a lot of various types of entertainment stuff throughout Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, um, and we are regrowing the Cleveland market, starting with our, our trivia company, Trivia Door. Um, so you guys do events, or you do like bars, or both? So we do, yeah, like bar, restaurant, trivia. Um, so we'll go in for about two hours, music and trivia, and it's like a whole show. Do you do private parties? Like if I have a bar mitzvah, go do... Sure, I did a uh, I did a trivia set for a company party maybe a year, year and a half ago. Usually that sort of that sort of party I would be doing a magic show for. Right. So that's a different branch of, of Entertainment One, which is Magic on the Run. It's also a different branch of Dork. It is a different branch of Dork. Right. That's true. So at any rate, uh, I had to go out to Pittsburgh to meet for two days, day and a half, uh, with Brian, who is the CEO. 
It was fine. It was nice to get out of Cleveland. I had a yeah. pretty good week. I got to visit with my mom yesterday, and we kind of like checking out some of the newer movies or like, you know, at, at the library they have different movies. So um, we we checked out uh, Terry Gilliam's The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. Oh. And um, first of all, it's not great. It wasn't. It wasn't like um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail levels of great, but it was um, very artsy and kind of like avant-garde. So it was a very different kind of film. It was almost like a student-directed film. Have you seen any of his other films that weren't no. Monty Python? No, I haven't. That's it's, pretty par for the course. He's he's yeah. not he's not great. Yeah. So I had Adam Driver in the role that. Johnny Depp had 20 years ago when they tried to make the movie for the first time. And I was looking at sort of like the the history of this movie. Terry Gilliam's been trying to make this for like 29 years. And he like had a budget, I want to say in like the early O10s, that he like had gotten some momentum in getting this movie made and then ran out of money and then had to like completely reshoot the whole thing. So the the whole thing only netted him like 2.3 million in the box office and it cost like 16 million to make and i'm not sure that that includes the money of the first time that they tried to make it so, so just like a horrible horrible commercial failure but this very passionate pet project that i i really kind of enjoyed i would say it's like you know like a c plus kind of movie but it had a lot of charm and character and passion and i i did like the story and the writing but it it felt like it was really trying to get you to read the book Mm -hmm. um don quixote by cervantes and if you didn't know what was going on you might be very lost and and there were several times throughout the movie where uh you know it's very hard to follow like what is going on i think that was intentional because it's got sort of like uh you know the way that monty python plot doesn't necessarily follow or it leaves you lost or was that last scene a dream or was it reality and they try to like blur the two so that part of it was very cool but um the execution of it I think it was a better idea than the execution of it on film. And I'm very sad that it was such a horrible commercial flop. So, have you heard before, Don Quixote is supposed to be a, a cursed story. Whenever somebody tries to put on a play of it or do a movie, the the movie version that you're talking about is not the first movie version that's failed. Really? It is just the most recent one that's failed. Well, what uh, if it's not a curse and it's just not an enjoyable story? That, like, only no, literary scholars really enjoy it. But the, what I'm talking about is not, like, when going into production, it will get destroyed. Like, people will die on set. Or There, people, are, there are themes of that running through the movie as well. I will which also say cool. that, that Johnny Depp production of uh, Don Quixote that didn't really work. Yeah. That's not a good movie. What is a phenomenal movie is the documentary of how it went so bad. Wow. There is a separate did, documentary that, that was filmed on set. That's that kind of cool. That is absolutely worth watching. I can't remember the name of, uh, of it off the top of my head, but definitely worth looking into. So, I mean, even even though it wasn't like a groundbreaking movie, I thought it was an enjoyable watch. I would give it a recommend. But, yeah. Well, so... <laughs> So on the other side it's, of it, it's um, Holy Grail, I mean, Don, Quianti, Don Quixote, which I think the, you know, I somewhat meta joking it that trying to make that movie or whatever production is a bit of tilting at windmills. Mm-hmm. Ha ha ha. Um, but, oh! Yeah. But um, to go down the other avenue of um, Terry Gilliam movies, if you're looking for one, because he's phenomenal, he's a great, great director. There's one in particular that I think is a good sort of easy to understand for a normal movie watcher. Sure. Terry Gilliam movie okay, called Time that? Bandits from the early 80s. That is a phenomenal movie. Um, I've heard of that. A lot movie. of fun. Very good movie. Um, 
There's another one, though, if you want to get... Uh, uh, there it is. The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. That's what it was. And that was Heath Ledger's last yes, movie, right? Yes, it was. Whoa. That's the one he was filming when he killed himself with pills. So it's accidentally, probably. <laughs> right. He did take a lot of pills. There was a lot... Uh, I'm pretty like, sure he took the... Anyway, the point now, is... Welcome to Beat a Dead Source, the point your is, Heath Ledger suicide <laughs> podcast. Well, well, you know, everybody makes a big deal about him having played just played the Joker, but he was really doing a Terry Gilliam movie, which anyone who's familiar with Terry Gilliam I, will say... I only know him from potentially 10 things... I, I only know him from 10 Things I Hate About You. He was cute in that. What about um, Night's Tale, though? There, I mean, that was a fun, you, if not not sorry. good movie. You remember all the old Monty Python animations, like yeah. with the yeah. big foot coming down yeah, or the Terry sun? Gilliam, that's right? Terry well, Gilliam. That's all. Yeah. That's all him. Yeah. No one's. The, the thing is, I feel He's like an Terry Gilliam a little bit. Yeah. I love. He's Terry the only Gilliam. American from Monty Python. But if I recall the the life of Doctor Parnassus. That was another commercial flop, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, for sure. Commercial no, flop. yeah, he's not really famous for making big blockbuster <laughs> hits. He's, he's not going to, like, they're not going to bring yeah. him in to direct the new Avengers movie, like. Yeah, if you want <laughs> Although make... if they did. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, oh, opening night. Hat. Two tabs of acid. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> Kidding, government. Kidding. If you want to make a new movie that, like, 1,200 people are going to love, <laughs> you call Terry Gilliam. But yeah, 1,200 people. Here's the thing. You can come Star to the movie, movie, but it's going to cost you $14,000 per ticket. <laughs> so it, it is kind of meta in the sense that even the story, the 1700s book of Don Quixote, was a callback to the past. Yeah. Don Quixote lived in a time where there were not knights nice running around saving princesses and chivalry. It was already a story about hearkening back to earlier times. And there's there's a theme running through this movie that Don Quixote lives forever, and it's sort of I, minor spoilers, I guess, but the, it's it's like this sickness that gets passed on from generation to generation, and there's there's like a Don Quixote of every new age. Hey, good segue. Who's the Don Quixote of our age? Uh, you mean the crazy man who is not quite fulfilling the promise that he hoped to fulfill? Or well, fighting a windmill? Yeah, 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 yes, to all of the above. Well, he keeps he, babbling nonsense, he, you know. He hates green energy. He hates green energy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, everybody. We're talking about Bernie Those Sanders. Those windmills cause yeah. cancer. We're not talking about Bernie Sanders. Uh, We're talking about DT. We are going to be talking about uh, impeachment. Well, just the the, the, no, just nothing, the many the, follies of Donald Trump. The farcical impeachment that has nowhere to go in the Senate that they won't send to the Senate <laughs> right. to be voted on. What he likes to say is that it's a hoax. Now, what's the word hoax mean? Uh, no, it's I've heard sham. I've heard oh, sham. sham. Uh, the one that I like the most is coup. A coup, right? Because to me, a democratic doing, voting coup. Doing a thing that's in the Constitution, I think, is a little hard <laughs> to to make the argument that it's a coup. Right. Are we still defining hoax? Because no, I, I mean, I feel like it's it's like a, a scam, like something that's put on as a show in order to deceive people and right. scam them for something. So, like for for monetary gain. Okay, so if we can. If we can start from the beginning, yeah. <laughs> for first of all, the way the Constitution uh, talks about impeachments, basically, it's do whatever you want. It's like Congress has the power of impeachment, and I can look up the exact wording. So, so it's a political, it's a political process and not a legal process. Right. Well, which is important because even if. Everyone agrees that there is a crime that has been committed, or conversely, even if everyone agrees that no crime has been committed, you can still vote on articles of impeachment to remove a president that hasn't committed a quote-unquote crime, or to acquit a president who everyone agrees clearly has committed a, gr a crime. Right. And, and especially well, in our day and age of, um, I know this... Partisanship gets kicked around a lot, but 
we're really looking at a very radically partisan period of American history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. and you know, and I'll be the first one to point out that that American politics, going all the way back to the 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 first election in which George Washington did not run. Uh, it's been very, very divisive, venomous. Um, they sure. have been calling each other horrible things and dragging each other through the mud for about 250 years now. So, and, and, and honestly, like having read some of those, um, you know, look look back at some newspaper pr- uh, and articles that are printed from that time and things like that. I mean, it's really a bit more verbose. But it's just as cruel and attacking the things that they would say now compared to the things that they said then. So, um, if there's a difference, though, there there have been maybe short periods, but there have been periods where there's a crisis or where you have this particular charismatic leader who can get people to cross the aisle and mm-hmm. work together mm-hmm. and this for time, limited periods of time. This time it actually seems like the the crisis and that, quote, charismatic leader uh, are actually causing the divide to deepen rather than getting everyone to rally behind them I, I would say for one cause. I would say playing on it. They are, like, they're not... It's not accidental, is my point. No, that's They're, the thing. It does doing it on purpose. That's and not exactly just him, the but The Republicans in general are doing it on purpose. I agree. Um, Can I just say real quick? Because um, I, I want to get the exact wording on. Here is what the Constitution says about uh, impeachment. Article 1, Section 2, Clause 5. The House of Representatives shall have the sole power of impeachment. That's it. That's all it says. So it's hard to say, yeah. like... That's a coup because I think what we just experienced was the House of Representatives exercising their sole power of impeachment. There, there's a little bit of a verbiage problem because people equate impeachment to um, like conviction, right? And they're not quite the same thing. So when you impeach a president, that just means that the charges are being dropped. Maybe people have heard this a million times and nobody is confused about it anymore. Right. But when when they say that um, you know the House of Representatives has the sole power of impeachment, that's not saying the House of Representatives can remove a president. Right. And, no. and the impeachment's Absolutely. already happened. He has been impeached. Donald Trump is now an impeached president. The number. He has that asterisk on his name forever, which is great. I guess it doesn't mean anything. No, it, do anything. it doesn't mean anything. And like, you know what? If he gets reelected, it'll mean even less. Right. When you boil it down to that, it is only a political process, and it doesn't necessarily mean that he has or has not committed a crime. People right now will disagree on the basic facts of did he commit a crime. Well, you, know, you you will have a debate about whether a crime occurred, but regardless. The, the political nature of it means that if I am a partisan for Donald Trump, even in the future, I can say, you know, that asterisk from impeachment was basically bullshit. That was yeah. a political process that they just, they've, they've never well, liked him. They've looked for reasons for all three years so, to remove So him. what if they've been looking for reasons? So what, like, if he gave them a reason, if he did something that he's not allowed to do and abused power or whatever, right? If he crossed the line, so what if they were waiting and watching for him to cross the line? If he crosses the line, he needs to get have action taken, right? Now, yeah, I, there I, is an idea for that... the record, I was also really irritated by this sort of thing with Obama. Really irritated. That Obama keeps murdering people. It uh, just gets my gander, right? That old stamp <laughs> um, with 2,700 20... different attacks from drones. Right! 27, and, and and nobody said a thing. Well, I shouldn't say that. The Republicans said plenty. He, and Obama was also, he spoke very well on um, <laughs> immigration and was way worse on immigration than, yes. like, Bush, for example. Yeah, yeah. Not, not than Trump. No. But... Th- there's an idea that nobody is above the law, and I think that that yeah, is wow. a really good idea. I want to hold that up and say, yeah. you know, nobody's right. above the law. That. That is an ideal that we should all strive for. And so, so that's not commits, necessarily how it like kind of works out. Well, but to 
with Ukraine and with election tampering, I think it's pretty fair to say that, yeah, it might feel like a little bit of a stretch if you are inclined to be pro-Donald Trump, but I don't think it's that far of a leap to go from election tampering to treason. So here's my thing. Any argument that Donald Trump did not break the law is in bad faith. It just is. Because Donald Trump released the transcript showing him asking for a thing of value from a foreign leader. Donald Trump admitted to doing it. Donald Trump's lawyer admitted to him doing it. Donald Trump's chief of staff told the press that he did it and that they do it all the time and that they need to get over it. Okay, so what if what if I have a fundamental disagreement about the fact that Hunter Biden was doing something illegal, corrupt in Ukraine that needed to be investigated and the president okay. has a duty to combat corruption, even corruption that's going on in other countries. Via and so my fun, my fundamental belief is that what Donald Trump was trying to get Ukraine to do, what he was leveraging and trying to get political will to do in Ukraine, was 100% legitimate. So Where's your crime? That is, first of all, if Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, for that matter, broke the law, which they didn't because they've been investigated a whole bunch, and we can go over that later. But, But let's say they did. I think they should be investigated and arrested and i don't think here's the thing i see see this argument a lot of well maybe he did something wrong but this person did something wrong too then them both yeah like if they both broke the law then they both need to like have consequences i'm talking about changing the nature of what donald trump no, I'm saying because what Donald of, Trump still did was withhold congressionally approved uh, military aid in exchange for a political favor. He did not ask Ukraine to investigate Hunter Biden. He asked Ukraine to announce an investigation into Hunter Biden. Yeah, he didn't give a sh** of whether the investigation was done. But the, the other thing is, he also has the CIA and the FBI and the intelligence community that if he had asked them to investigate that, not They'd only would it not have been illegal... It would have been on the up and up, and I would have totally supported it. But he didn't do that. What he chose to do was, leverage. was try and blackmail somebody who desperately needed the aid that he was holding up. Now, I should say, not in an immediate sense, because this is a this is a Republican argument, and I think it's a good one. There, no one was going to immediately die because that aid wasn't given to the Ukraine. Because the Ukraine needed that to be able to defend themselves in the near future, not in the now. However, Donald Trump doesn't have the authority to withhold shit that has already been approved. Apparently he he was able to. There's uh-huh. a difference between so, having the uh, authority to do something he, and doing something. In fact, Trump, every step of the way with that, everyone told him, that's illegal for us to do. We can't do that. And he would say, do it. People quit and because he... People quit. Like, four people quit in, like, two weeks. So we're going to have to have a whole episode of, it, of this, but Donald Trump is a criming criminal who loves crime. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to concede a whole bunch of points, but I want to, I wanna, like, zoom this out and look at the context a little bit of his election. So it... The, the fact that he withheld aid, I, I'm trying to come up with an argument for that. I don't think, I don't know that it's there. <laughs> I, think, I think that you, fair game. But if you look at the reason why people wanted Donald Trump in the first place, and if you don't acknowledge that reason, I feel like you're losing about half of the country. I think you're a little tone deaf or out of touch with the the movements that people people hated politics as normal people hated this entrenched system and even in particular people hated the democratic party for what it had been doing for eight years under obama they wanted somebody who was an outsider I don't want to take full responsibility for the idea that he was going to be benevolent, but they had, had <laughs> thought he would be 
this benevolent outsider making all of these promises. I can't imagine that they actually did. I know I think a lot of people, he, he lied to them and they accepted that lie. But I, I really I really want to acknowledge the idea that all of these Washington insiders who had allowed this corporate greed to take over the country, who had made all of these programs that didn't help middle class American rural families in red states that they felt left behind and that's why this huge political movement came about. So I think what you're saying has merit, but what you're talking about is a different episode. The episode we're having now is did Donald sure, Trump break the law? I guess on the I guess on the, on the like... subject of trashing Donald Trump. So there there's this resistance to the idea that the Democratic Party with knives at the throat of Donald Trump are doing it for the good of the country. There's this idea that it, they've always had it out for him, and the reason is for their own gain, for their own political power, not for mm-hmm. the good of the American people. And the, that's that's how I yeah. want to bring it back to I mean, this. And that's I think possible. That's, but... I think that's valuable, and I think that Andy kind of brought it up. I don't care if they have bias. I don't. I don't care if they had it out from from the beginning because all I need them to do is do their jobs with integrity. So all I need is let me just <laughs> I see the face. Yeah. No one at home can see the face, but we can see the face. <laughs> I'm trying to not interrupt you here. No, no, no. What I'm saying, and I was having a similar conversation with somebody on uh, Facebook, as I am wont to do, about <laughs> so the media because this is it's brought up. It's easy to accuse somebody of bias. It's easy to accuse somebody right. of hatred, but I don't care if a reporter hates the person they're doing a report on. What I care about is if that report is factually accurate. I don't care if a politician hates another person that they're doing an investigation in. What I care about is was that investigation done properly? Yeah, was that investigation uh, done in the way that it's it's supposed to be done? And I think Republicans keep on saying that, oh, it was, it was unfair, we weren't able to call, blah, blah, blah. Like, But they wanted to call the whistleblower, who is protected under federal law. They wanted to call Hunter Biden, and they want to call Joe Biden. None of which, uh, personally, I don't care if he asked uh, the, Ukrainian, uh, the Ukrainian leader for information on Joe Biden or Hunter Biden, or if he asked the Ukrainian uh, minister for a filet fish because it was something of value. When, when you say want to call, you mean want to call as a witness for yes. the impeachment? Mm-hmm. They wanted, okay, they wanted sorry, to... I, I was stuck on that, and I couldn't sorry, follow and what I you appreciate, said after. I appreciate that. No, there, from what I understand, most of the Republican concerns, at least the ones that I think ha- are being used in good faith, which not a lot, like they keep yeah. on bitching. The problem is we didn't hear a defense of the president. The best, All they ever the best... say is, oh, if this is a partisan process, you're just out to get him because you're Democrats and he's a Republican. I'm sorry to slow you down, but when, yeah. when you say good faith, can you can you explore that a little bit for me? What we are doing in this room when we talk about politics or science or whatever, the idea is that we're all trying to come to a reasonable conclusion, that we're not trying to pull the wool over each other's eyes, that we're not actively lying or... It's, it's not by like when you lose. The, yeah, it's, it's trying to confuse the, confuse the issue. It's trying to uh, tell people, oh, don't listen to these people over here because they're just trying. They're, it's a partisan hoax, and you can't. That's nothing. You've said nothing. It's the same thing about saying that the media, the mainstream media, is the enemy of the American people. All that means is that you are trying to make your base stupider. We're going to have to have a media episode, but again, all I need the media to do is to be accurate. And if they make a mistake, I need them to correct it. I need them to follow journalistic and uh, like have journalistic integrity. But that's also not what we're talking about. What yeah. I'm saying is a good faith argument is I'm going to go ahead and give you my opinion. I'm going to give you facts based on the situation, and I'm going to talk about what we're talking about. And that is the opposite of how Republicans have cho- chosen to treat this process. So a bad faith would mean I'm going to tell you 
a bunch of lies to get you to believe something that I don't even believe is true. Or right. just lies okay. and truths indiscriminately. That's not what matters. What matters is winning the argument. Or even we're talking about thing A over here, and I'm going to go ahead and throw thing B really far over there and say, hey, look over there. Mm -hmm. That's what we're talking about now. Here's a good example of a bad faith argument. I've been, again, on Facebook talking about how Trump hates the military. He doesn't, he doesn't give a shit about people who have served in the military. That's another episode. We have like five episodes that we've come up with. Let's just take them, let's just try and take them as they, as they uh, uh, pop but up. I've, I've been, when he insults people, he often uh, denigrates their uh, military service. He uh, mm. has not shown up to multiple ceremonies uh, that um, have been to honor the military, either overseas or here, because of things like traffic. To, to, put it in, to put it in context, things that other presidents have made a point of doing. Yes. Going going to military funerals. Um, what There's the big military graveyard in Arlington. 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 Yes. And um, he didn't, and he he didn't he, go he to like the Veterans missed. Day ceremony, the yeah. roof lane, because literally it was raining. That, that's not my point. My point is I gave – when I have these arguments on Facebook, one of the things I do is I lay out sources for everything. So I've given 15 different examples of ways that he's insulted either people for their military service or ignored military service, not shown the respect that he should. And the response to that wasn't, well, these are incorrect because if in this situation this was happening, in this situation this was happening, the response was, well, Obama. I mean, Obama I, I, I was going to say, can I can I guess what the argument was instead? Exactly, and that is <laughs> so. We're not talking about Obama, and what I and it wasn't even Obama hated the military. It was Obama was the worst president in U.S. history, which I don't know what to do with. We need to have like guardrails about how we have our conversations. <laughs> and you didn't give me any facts in there. You just said a thing, and so so there's a buzzword a, called whataboutism, and that's. I think that's where you're going. What we're that's part of what we're talking. What about is a what? What about Benghazi? What about her emails? What about, what about Hunter is, Biden? But what aboutism is part of a bad faith argument. It's not all of the bad faith argument, but it is indeed. It's like what aboutism is to uh, bad faith arguments as corgis are well, to it's, dogs. It's an ad hominem. Yeah. It's a ad no straw man. Right? Are two very different things. They are. So, I was so is it name Some calling or is it putting up the, the wrong argument in so a facetious it's, way? It's a red that hair. Is, can be red, red herrings. herrings yeah. Can be ad hoc. Well, all of these I are like examples of bad faith arguments. But what it's doing. So I think people in the people in, about is red herring. <laughs> people yeah. in the House of Representatives that were making bad faith arguments. The the problem was they weren't talking to the witnesses in front of them. They weren't talking to the people in that room. They were talking to two groups of people. Well, one person and one group of people. Mm -hmm. They were talking to the base, which I don't think is half the country. I think it's about a third of the country. I think, in general, you have a third of people who are going to vote for Democrats. You have a third of people who are going to vote for Republicans. And you have a third of people who could potentially be swayed. And maybe, like, a bunch of them are lean this way or lean this way, but they could be swayed. Okay, they were let's, just, let's just assume that's true rather yeah, than like for, bicker for the, about it. Hey, let's have an episode about that. <laughs> um, so, anyway... Republicans were talking to the base, and they were talking to Donald Trump. They didn't give a shit about the people in that room. They didn't care how dumb they sounded to normal people who listened to facts. This, to this the is in the impeachment hearings yes. when they were questioning witnesses? Well, and just a lot of stuff they do in general, yeah. but yes. So in, there's a representative from Ohio. It's Jim. Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan. That son of a bitch. And, oh, he is rough. Okay, so, so maybe... You're a person who really likes Jim Jordan, and you think that everything that he says is great. You're not going to have this same impression that I have. When I watch Jim Jordan, it makes my skin kind of crawl mm -hmm. <laughs> a little bit. If and you, I'm sorry if anybody's offended yeah, by that. If you like Jim Jordan, you like being lied to, period. Mm -hmm. He makes yeah. bad faith arguments constantly. Matt Gates does it, although we, ha we have to talk about Matt Gates at some points because Matt Gates voted... Uh, for the like the war uh, wartime thing to uh, keep uh, Donald Trump at bay, so he couldn't uh, whatever. It's a different thing, but it was wild that he did it. Matt Gates does it. Mitch McConnell is like the worst. So, so when Jim Jordan is questioning 
a witness in the impeachment trial and the the questions that he asks and the statements that he makes doing it i don't end being convinced that donald trump didn't commit a crime i i end up convinced that jim jordan is a very effective speaker but is a huge (laughs) just like the worst human being well i think but maybe yeah. that's a huge bias on my part, but that's that's sort of what I walk away from. I think a lot of the Republicans, what they're doing is they're not making good faith arguments. What they're doing is they're defending the president. And you can't do that with good faith arguments because the president is a criminal who broke the who broke the law. So instead of making good faith arguments, they just try keep on trying to confuse the issue. So I'm trying to not go to whataboutism and I don't have a lot. No. Without it's, without going to whataboutism, it's not. It's very hard. Yeah, you can you can go there. There's if you an want. art of of arguing and debating using formal logic and not breaking any of those rules of using red herring or ad hominem, and it's so easy to do those things, especially if you engage online all the time, because that's very much how a lot of those online interactions go. And that's why when I'm talking to somebody online, I always treat them with respect. I always source what I'm saying so that way they don't have to take me at my word because I don't want to take them at their word. So I, I don't expect them to do it to me, and I, I can't take them at their word because the people they're listening to are constantly lying to them, are constantly making bad faith arguments, and they're taking it at face value. Mm-hmm. And so if the people you're lying to, the the people you're listening to are giving you these bad faith arguments over and over again, and I actually, I should say, I don't have a problem with Fox News. I think most of the time, Fox News, ew, I'm just going to say, Fox News, especially the news part of Fox News, generally gives accurate facts, and then they twist it in a way that's incorrect. So when I'm having an argument with somebody on Facebook, you know what I do? is I almost always try and source Breitbart or Fox News or whatever. So that way they don't have that argument to come back with me because mm. they don't like the mainstream media because the president is awful and has taken a whole group of people and poisoned the media, the people who work for them, who are trying to give them the accurate information. He has poisoned the media to those people so that they will remain ignorant and believe anything he tells them. There, there are fair and there are unfair arguments to make about the media i think we have one of the freest medias in the world sure i think that that is essential for democracy and i think that that's a very beneficial thing to an informed populace that needs to be able to make informed political decisions but they are organizations that are based on ratings they are driven by a profit incentive and in many cases that you can point out they are willing to get cozy buddy buddy with government rather than make fair criticisms against them they will self-censor there are problems that are uniquely american that are completely born in the way that our media works so School shootings, I would say, are a uniquely media, uniquely American problem. Mm -hmm. Saying that, you know, if you fight back against bullies and you bring a gun to school, that's going to get your name all over the news. You're going to be famous where nobody knew your name before. Um, We're going to give all this attention to, because that's where the ratings lie, we're going to follow that profit incentive to follow ratings, that's going to cause a terrible school shooting problem in America. And I don't want to focus on that because that's a different podcast. But right. I, I think I there are, there are fair Absolutely. criticisms of things the media doesn't do well. I think the media sucks a lot of times, and partially it's because of 9-11. Mm-hmm. That's right, I said it. 9-11 sucks. Here's the thing. You have... <laughs> You have this yeah, whole thing. That you have these 24-hour news networks, multiple ones. They've been built up around that, around 9/11, because that is when you needed CNN. I remember sitting there because I'm older than you guys. I remember sitting there and 
I remember 9-11. Yeah, very sure. vividly. Absolutely. Excuse totally me. Fine. I lived in my own apartment. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. Either of you. I was homesick from school that day. There you go. I was cutting school that day. Nice. Uh, well, but I mean, my, that's my another way is, of saying what I did. My point is that 9-11 is what 24-hour news networks are based on because we had all this information coming in, and I was glued to my TV because right. I wanted to know what was coming in. We all wanted to know who did this thing. We wanted to know how many people died. We wanted to know, like, how could this happen to mm-hmm. us? And it was breaking news at a time where when you saw breaking news on your TV, that meant, meant something. something yeah. That was huge. And now you see breaking news on your TV literally all the time. Kanye West made a tweet, breaking news. <laughs> Kanye. Oh, we're going to okay. Kanye episode two. Anyway. <laughs> I, I only came up with Kanye because I couldn't remember the, um, the girl's... Uh, name that does the pop song that's like I'm the bad guy, whatever the uh, name is. Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish made a tweet. Oh. Breaking news. You, that, I, I thought that was an actor. I thought I it, believe Billie I Eilish. believe she goes by Billiam. Billiam. Not to change fair. the subject away from the media. No, but the thing, is, the thing is, if you have a 24-hour news network, you need to fill in 24 hours of content every day. And mm. so what it means is everything doesn't matter what side, whether it be Fox News, MSNBC, OAN, or I don't think there's a equivalent on the left side to OAN, uh, uh, One America News, I think. Anyway, um, it's like, you know how far Fox News is to the right of CNN, for example? Mm-hmm. OAN is that far to the right from Fox News. It is rough. OAN, what's that stand for? One American News Network, I think. I don't think I can handle that. OANN? Anyway, uh, I've watched clips from them. I've never watched OAN. I don't think I have it on my... I mean, how how much more extreme could it be than, like, Rush Limbaugh? More, well, more you'd be, extreme? You'd be surprised. Okay, well, I all mean, because right. there are, are things like InfoWars. Alex Jones is a person, you know? Like, so... Yeah. I'm just saying, if you yeah, want an yeah. extreme on the other side, he is Rush a person. <laughs> I mean, do, do you guys want to get into Alex Jones? No, no. But All right, we're going to skip over eventually Alex Jones. get back to impeachment. Hey guys, I had an idea. Let's have an episode about Alex Jones. Let's do it. Um, let's let's bring on Alex Jones. Jones. Here's the thing. <laughs> I feel like he would be excited. The, the news sucks because it is built from the ground up to be sensational and to keep your keep your eyes glued. It is editorials all day long. It's bringing people in all day long, and those people definitely have biases. And this is one of the problems I have with Republicans in general and the bad faith arguments is, so I like NPR a lot. Sure. NPR is middle of the road. If you listen to NPR, they give, I'm not not opening this up for a discussion. It is middle (laughs) of the road. If you listen to it, they give straight up facts. And they invite they invite both sides of issues to come on. They invite Republicans. They invite Democrats. It Democrats depends on what up. you're listening to on NPR. Well, what if facts have a liberal bias? No, that's not a uh... thing. It's they're facts. <laughs> what if what if present because I mean I think NPR is not the halfway between CNN and Fox News. Maybe what they're presenting no, is a more CNN, no. CNN is also. Is, Right there in the middle, yeah. a little, to, a little to the left. Yeah. MSNBC. So here's the thing. We, oh. <laughs> I'm want to do something visual in an audio medium. Okay. Let's say NPR is the middle. I'm, I'm saying that NPR is the middle. All I right. Understand... So he's he's holding out his hand to to represent the middle. <laughs> right. So we'll say that NPR is at the zero point, and okay. negative is going to be the left because I don't want to make our right friends. Okay, sure. Uh, negative is going to be left. Negative is going to be uh, liberal, and positive is going to be conservative. Sure. So NPR is zero. Okay. CNN is like two. Negative. MSNBC two. is five. Fox ne- News is seven. Negative. OAN, huh? Negative two, negative five. Okay, fine. Yes, let me <laughs> let me start over. Zero NPR. CNN negative two. MSNBC. MSNBC, negative five. Yeah. Fox News, positive seven. OAM, positive a bajillion. <laughs> uh, Bright, Breitbart is like positive nine, you know? Because Fox News has chosen to be 
state spawn and this does not go for everybody fox news sunday is great they have gotten rid of people that he don't agree with i feel bad because i forget the guy who just quit who would hold trump's feet to the fire um so it's not everybody it's the network as a whole has chosen to be a mouthpiece for the republican party i used to watch um glenn beck and what's what's the other guy that got uh fired recently bill o'reilly bill o'reilly i used to watch glenn beck and bill o'reilly but i but i didn't yeah (laughs) the colbert calls him daddy so but i i didn't watch them every day and i didn't watch them to like receive news I watched them like you'd watch a comedy show. And that's, I think there's a value in that. I And that's why I'm saying I don't have a problem with Fox News in general because I'm not including Tucker Carlson. I'm not <laughs> including Janine Pirro because I think those are editorial shows. Those are opinion shows and you can't take them as fact. Tuck, Tucker Carlson raked Trump over the coals about Iran recently yeah, he did. also, which I guess props to him for Why? having an opinion that's not pro-Trump exclusively. It's good to know. I, uh. Tucker Carlson, Yang Gang 2020? <laughs> um, if you want to get into Yang, Andrew Yang, I love I'm Andrew very Yang. interested in There's another episode. You know we should do next. Alright everybody, I hope you enjoyed part one of our impeachment episode um we just wanted to do a quick outro it's weird because we're recording this after we recorded the first part of the second episode everything is like oh yeah but it's going to be totally seamless for them so don't worry about it uh audience i'm sure it's just been a smooth transition for you absolutely you didn't just come to a grinding halt at all <laughs> so um does, we, does anyone is, have something that they laughed at this week or something well that... i think it's time to introduce our segment precious moments <laughs> we're, we've uh this is the segment where we go ahead and talk about the delightful things that have happened to us this week are our, our happy stuff are things that don't <laughs> remind us of how stressful our country is now, and our world for that matter. Mm-hmm. I'm still liking my knife. I talked about my knife a lot, but oh man, it's so sharp. Still yeah. have all my fingers, everybody, so that's a good uh, good thing. They'll um, be handy for, you know, the apocalypse too. Ooh, I got a mandolin for the kitchen, uh, which is not the instrument. It's a thing that slices vegetables into, uh. Uh, into circles. I guess it depends on like what kind of vegetable it is. Most vegetables are circles. Uh, is it the thing that's kind of like a cheese grater, but it's only one hole and you... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I we eat a ton of salad in my house, and so it is made... That's good. Making, making salad, like, way faster. Yeah. There are way worse things to be fanatic about than salad. The other nice, thing... tasty salad. The other thing that makes me very happy, uh, because I think Olive Garden as a restaurant is garbage... Unless, Olive Garden, you'd like to sponsor us, and then I'd be happy to take it back and say how delicious your <laughs> disgusting lasagna is. Oh, God. Uh, but well, you don't get the lasagna. But the thing that I love at Olive Garden is the salad and the breadsticks. Oh, yeah. I can't do anything about the breadsticks, but I found out that um, a local grocery store here, as well as Costco, sells the exact salad dressing from the Olive Garden salads. And so what I've been doing is I've been, like, recreating the Olive Garden salad at home way more than I should because I'm going to get sick of it really quick and uh, using this big bottle of salad dressing that my mom got me for Christmas. So uh, that's made me pretty happy. Any Anybody else have a, a happy thing that they like to close out part one with? Well, so, I mean, uh, my, my mother... Um, she beat cancer this year. Hell which yeah! Is, which is Woo-hoo. monumental. And then she also had a, uh, I guess you'd call it like a, a liver spot or something on her hand. And so she went in and had that biopsied to, this is more recent, she she uh, had her breast cancer treatment like earlier go, going on this year. And extremely, extremely happy and grateful that um you know she made it through her treatments and is doing really well she had this uh liver spot biopsied and that all came up negative too so total party for Man, your mom's uh, a badass my mom really is a badass so i mean she is a nurse 
uh, working at a particular hospital. I don't, I don't know if she wants me to share which hospital, but she's she's uh, working a cardiac floor at this uh, big metropolitan hospital, and all throughout her cancer treatment, she basically didn't take off any time at all. She just worked through it. God. And uh, I mean, when when we talk about my mom is a badass, like that's not a joke. My mom is like a total badass. And if you want to like, you know, think about just being in the medical profession and all of the people that she has really helped out and probably, you know, kept a lot of people from dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she's probably responsible for a lot of people being alive. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm super, I'm super grateful for, uh, her and her health and just, you know, her being okay. And, uh, she's really a a joy to be around. So that's my thing about, she, she, she's great. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, mom, in case you listen to this, I love you too. Uh, yeah, you're fine, mom. <laughs> I'm not trying to show up anybody about having a, a anyway. more bad. Yeah, mom. well, my mom. Yeah, no. Um, so I guess my, my... my mom could beat up your mom. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds mom like it, actually. I don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing that also makes me happy: Andy's cat purrs louder than any other cat I've ever met in my goddamn oh, life. Oh, Pablo's a we, happy boy. We had our first, like, we, yes, it took were. us a while to come up with our intro to this episode because we kept on screwing it up. And one of the screw-ups <laughs> was just Andy was petting his cat too close to his mic and it was picking it up on my mic. Yeah. Like, across the room. Yeah. He's a happy love, boy. Love, love cat. He's heavy. Andy, um, did you have anything other than your last? I mean, cat? honestly, not um, a lot has happened not, since we last talked about. That. No, not really. It's been a weird week for me because I'm I'm like in between jobs and I'm tra- sort of trying to like learn engineering on the fly. <laughs> like, which is badass, which, by the way. way. Yeah, like I I don't want to gloss over how fortunate I am to have a brain that works that well that i can just sort of learn engineering <laughs> wow, don't, hashtag humble brag right. yeah, don't be no, no i fully acknowledge the humble brag here like i'm very <laughs> i i i i don't want to make it seem like that's just a casual like yeah whatever you know like that it, it, i've done a lot of damage to my brain over the years so i'm i'm really grateful <laughs> that i have anyone who's talked still... to him for any amount of time can attest to that yeah like so so at any rate um, that's been going on and, and a little bit of traveling between Cleveland and Pittsburgh as well. So it's been kind of a wonky week. I don't know. I, I mean, we kind of talked about this on some of our kind of prequel episodes, but like where, when I lost my job in December or whatever, um, and, and landing on my feet and I, I, that's sort of happening, but there's definitely some, some stumbling and getting rewrited going on. And so it's been a little just sort of stressful and not all consuming but preoccupying honestly as weird as it sounds all the impeachment and iran stuff has kind of been a welcome distraction for me from my own wow own turmoil in in that sense (laughs) because it's something that i kind of know what i think about to a certain extent you know ah geez well i uh, understand that uh, i hope things start uh, getting Hey, look, Getting better for you. This is hey what guys, life is, man. When this podcast turns us all into millionaires, we're not going to have to worry about any of this. Right. <laughs> Listeners, uh, visit us on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> and LinkedIn and Diners Club. I forget Just what. PayPal me. Yeah. We, we are geniuses, and I want to say very stable geniuses. We're, we're all part of the Burger King Kids Club, I think. For the record, <laughs> Donald Trump is never invited to guest speak on our oh, podcast. Come on. That is a lie. I, I, would, I, I gotta say, I would actually love yeah, that. That would, I would be, love that, that. That would be a reach, but that would be a good guess. Hey, that would be a big reach. We'll never know if we don't ask. And on that I'll note, uh, I thank you all for listening to Be the Dead Source. Uh, we always appreciate you tuning in. Uh, I think this is our first official episode, so that's a weird thing to say. But I will continue to appreciate you tuning in in the future. I will have appreciated your, what would have been a continuing to pay attention to in the future, after which will happen the past of we are now in the present of. Andy proving his brain damage. <laughs> uh, so Donald, Donnie, if I may. DT.
DJ. Yeah, we we would love to have you come on. Please uh, do come on, but even if not, uh, right. just come we on are path. thinking about you. Have you in our thoughts? And fellow listeners, <laughs> I desperately need to come up with a catchphrase. Okay, let's well, bye. You got one though. That's yours. You're loud, dude. You should go away now. Aww. Animal cruelty.